0: Hello and welcome to the third episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. Today I will be talking about the murder of Ryan Poston, who was murdered by his girlfriend in 2012. If you didn't know the case, I apologize for the spoilers. Ryan Poston was born on December 30th, 1982. He was described as a very smart and driven person. He even attended schools in the Philippines and Switzerland during high school. He would go on to graduate from Indiana University and then attend the Salmon P. Chase College of Law at the University of Northern Kentucky. At the time of his death, he was an attorney in Cincinnati, Ohio. Shayna Hubers and Ryan met online on Facebook. Shayna was 21 years old and a student at the University of Kentucky. She graduated and was pursuing a master's degree in psychology. Ryan and Shayna's relationship was described as being very volatile. And they were on and off all the time. Ryan was trying to end his relationship with Shayna once and for all when he was killed. He even sent her a message that said, "Shayna, stop texting me." Shayna would cry and constantly blow up Ryan's phone until he answered. Over their 18-month relationship, they traded 50,000 texts and 20,000 Facebook messages, and Shayna usually being the one to send messages until Ryan answered. On the night of October 12, 2012, Shayna called the police. She said she killed her boyfriend, Ryan, in self-defense.
1: minutes ago. You keep floating.
0: Shayna was then taken into the police station, and her behavior during her interrogation was very strange, and she didn't act very sorry for killing Ryan. I'm going to play the interrogation footage so you can hear all the strange things that she says. Be was me because I
2: knew that we weren't fully really loved each other, you know, Ryan right? told me that you loved me. and wanted to be with me, and I guess somewhere along the way, that grew to hate, he was screaming how much he hated me. I don't know if anyone will ever want to marry me if they know that I killed my boyfriend and helped. <laughs> Not funny, but the stuff he was saying and he was so abusive while he was throwing me around the room. I'll never forget. I think in the midst of that. I love trying to hate, I remember screaming reaching up to grab the shirt.
1: You have fear. You talk know, my family. I'm there.
2: You my mother and my family. If I don't get any serious consequences then I could really be happy just having a career and maybe not even Ever getting married? Is this a very traumatic, you know? A very traumatic for me to mm-hmm. live with this? I have to know that I did that to someone that I told every day. I love you. He had put his arm across the table, and there's a lamp. And he had put his arm across the table and had it in my face and was screaming at me at the top of his lungs after he had thrown me around the room. And was saying emotionally to me, You're a f***ing home, Billy. I f-ing hate you. I hate everything about you for so what you are. I feel And he was screaming and he was, he had his head on the table and he wasn't completely standing up. He was like this. Was like this. He was sitting, he was mm-hmm. sitting, he was sitting like this, literally. That's when I knew he was dead. Or close to it mm-hmm. and twitching. And that's, and I couldn't, I love him. I still, even though the hurt, I still, enough of me, loved him. That I couldn't stand to watch him twitch. I knew he was going to die or have a completely deformed face. He's very vain. One of our last conversations we had that was good was that he wants my best friend, he's a dentist to do his veneers and wants to get a nose job. Just that kind of person. And right. I shot him right here. I gave him his nose job. He wanted. I broke it. And I just picked up the gun. And in the middle of him doing something with his arm or saying something crazy, he shot him. And I thought, oh my God, what have I done? You know? And he was laying with his face on the table, like twitching. And so I knew he was going to die a very slow and painful death. I knew he was already dead. You know, I, it in the next 20 seconds. So in the next two minutes, I knew he was going to be dead. And he was in a lot of pain. He was twitching, he was moaning, but he was ultimately dead. And so I shot him enough times to kill him so that he wouldn't suffer. Few more times, and he, I shot him. I think I shot him twice. Thought he was completely dead, and he was laying there still, twitching and making noises. And I shot him in the head. I probably should have left it there, but I knew he was gonna die. Mm-hmm. Or have a very deformed face. And you're concerned. And I knew, although he would have died, he was already dying. He was already, he was dying. But I just walked around the table and shot him where I knew he would die immediately. and fast. his obsession with guns killed him. You know, I would have never, I'm so Democrat, I would have never touched a gun in my life until I dated him. I'm not your typical murderer. No, I'm not that you see on Tucker. He said, You're just a hillbilly from Kentucky. And I am. I <laughs> the hillbilly came out of me. Of death, you know what I mean? Like, and part of me is like, he hit me, he's me. you just don't treat a woman right now. I was like in high school and she was a convicted felon. She told me that, the I that she got, she was, she was for cocaine, she told me that the, the she got along with. In jail, in, jail, in jail, or the women that were there because they killed her husband. And says so it. Hell has no fury like a woman's court. <laughs> Never believed it until now. I walked around the table. <laughs>
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: So the interrogation is kind of long, but I wanted you to hear everything. I always get the chills when I listen to it. She laughs, she giggles, and then sings. She reminds me of Jody Arias in a way. Shayna's interrogation would come back to bite her at trial. Shayna also did all the talking without the police asking her a single question that night. When she was brought in, she was read her Miranda rights and she asked for a lawyer. Shayna was arrested less than three hours after she killed Ryan. Shayna was indicted for murder on December 20, 2012. On January 16, 2013, she pleaded not guilty. Her trial began on April 15, 2013. Shayna's defense said that Shayna was abused constantly by Ryan and that she killed him in self-defense that night. They even said Ryan was on several different medications that made him even more violent. However, the prosecution had evidence that showed Shayna was obsessed with Ryan, and Ryan was planning on going on a date the night of his murder with a woman named Audrey Bolte, who was Miss Ohio USA in 2012. The evidence didn't match self-defense either. Ryan was shot six times in total with a 380 pistol. Two times in the back, two times in the face, and three times in the torso, and Shayna didn't have a single scratch or bruise on her. There were also several witnesses that testified for the prosecution, including one of Shana's cellmates. Shana's cellmate said that Shana told her, quote, she was going to plead insanity, but she was too smart because she had the IQ of Einstein. So she was going to plead battered wife syndrome, end quote. Now, I don't think this cellmate is a reliable witness, but after witnessing Shana's behavior, I wouldn't put put it past her to say something like this. The night before he died, Ryan told his stepfather that he had a date with Audrey and was afraid to tell Shayna about it. Aubrey was supposed to meet Ryan at 9.30 p.m. on October 12th at a bar in Milford, Ohio. He never showed up that night. Shayna's behavior, her confession, and even a single text message came back to haunt her in this case. Eleven days before she killed Ryan, she texted her friend, When I go to the shooting range with Ryan tonight, I want to turn around and shoot him and make it look like an accident. End quote. On April 23, 2015, after five hours, the jury came back with a verdict. Shayna was found guilty of Ryan's murder. Four months later, Shayna was sentenced to 40 years in prison with the eligibility for parole after 20 years. Shayna's attorneys tried multiple times to appeal Shayna's case, one saying that Shayna was a victim of doves- domestic violence. It was denied because Shayna and Ryan were never actually living together. Shayna's second appeal was granted on August 25, 2016, the reason being one of the jurors withheld information that they had a felony conviction and the Kentucky law doesn't allow felons to be on the jury. In 2018, Shayna spoke to WPCO's Craig McKee about her new relationship in prison and new trial and about how she has changed since 2012.
3: Side, okay. And
2: then, uh, all of it, oh, oh,
3: okay. Oh. I can feel that humidity and that rain outside. Yeah. How are you today?
4: I'm all right. How are you, sir? Can't
3: complain. Can't complain. What's your name? Craig McKee. Okay. Uh, I wrote you back. Uh, you may not have received. Either. I don't know.
4: Can you tell me what the letter says? I now? don't know how the mail. I haven't received it yet. Came yeah.
3: through, or how often yeah. it comes through? Um, when I what did back, you say? I just acknowledged that that uh, I received your your letter and that I was reaching out to request this. And, yeah. And here we are. Okay. <laughs> so.
4: Um. Before before we start, I would just like to ask if we could stick to the topic of what I wrote you about and mm-hmm. not my case, not my court case. All right.
3: Okay. Um, I will I will say that um, we're going to talk about what you wrote about. Okay. And uh, obviously, as a journalist, I have to ask certain certain things. You can reply however you want to reply. Okay. Um, so, um, but I, there's no way I could go back, you know, okay. uh, being in this profession by, by doing that. Um, one thing just so I don't forget about it. I did come across the, there's a Facebook page yeah. that sends a lot of support your way
4: yes. and
3: pictures. And it sounds like whoever runs it is in regular contact with you to get new pictures mm-hmm. and things of that nature. Do you know who runs this?
4: Is that a
3: friend or a relative? It's
4: a friend. It's a friend. Um, I can give you a better Facebook page to go to for, um, well, I don't know if it's better, but it's different, and it's more personal. It's run by um, my uh, best friend, my older sister. I call her my older sister. Okay. Um, It's Shana Hubers at Shana Michelle Hubers.
3: Okay.
4: And my friend Tiffany Egan runs it.
3: Egan, E...
4: E-G-A-N, okay. yes. All
3: right. Um, just because this this site was asking for donations and stuff, too, so I wasn't sure really who, who that was tied to. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, here we are. Thanks again for making time uh, for us. So the big question tied to, tied to your letter, um, it appears that you've fallen in love. Yes. How did that happen?
4: Um, I can only describe it as... Um, like a spiritual encounter that I had with another person that I met here a couple years ago that I grew to know over the years. Mm -hmm. And we just got really close, and, um, you know, we're both forced into a similar situation. And um, Unique and I um, have a lot in common, and we just grew very close over the years.
3: Mm -hmm. So when you first met Unique, Unique obviously was arrested. Um, Richard McBee goes by Unique, obviously. Um, January 10th of 2016.
4: So when did you, after... That? I met McBee um, that summer of 2016 when I returned for my new trial.
3: Okay.
4: Yeah. So. I, I left Campbell County Jail and was transferred south of here in January of 2016, right after he arrived, so I didn't meet him until... I didn't meet Unique, he, she, until that, that summer. Right. To, to, to me, I don't see Unique as a gender. I don't see unique as a man or a woman. I see unique as a soul that I love. So if I slip up in my wording, it's because to me, this is a person that I love. It's not about this person's gender.
3: I think it could be easy to slip. Although it
4: little, it, and it is, and it's difficult for others to understand. Sure. So, yeah.
3: Um, when did you, I have the affidavit that you sent me that shows May 2nd as your request to get a marriage license. Was that just what On the paper you sent me, or do you have a different date that you actually requested?
4: I believe it was the same date. Okay. I believe it was the same date.
3: Okay, so you wrote me shortly after you actually made the request.
4: It was in the same time frame, I
3: believe. Okay. Have you heard back from anyone yet?
4: We have not, and um, we've both had people calling um, the Campbell County Clerk's Office, and in my opinion, I feel like we're being spun already, and um, I feel as if I've already been retaliated against,
3: so. Even if it's only been seven days? Yes. I mean, do you have confirmation they received your request?
4: Um, no, I do not. I, I feel as if I've been retaliated against at the actual institution, at the, at the jail, because the jailer was contacted by Richard McBee, Mm -hmm. Unique Taylor, about our um, marriage. And um, within hours of his request to the jailer, letting the jailer know what was going on and that he didn't want any type of retaliation, um, I I was moved to a different cell. Mm -hmm. And um, all of my legal documents for my court case were taken from me and they were taken to the administration office on the other side of the jail and they have not been given back to me. They were seized and um, I feel as if our constitutional First Amendment right to marry because Unique is biologically a male and I'm a woman are being violated and we're being retaliated against due to my high profile case and you know my name in Cincinnati and Unique's status as a transgender woman. Also, Unique has not been retaliated against because Unique just won a federal appeal for retaliation against the jail. So Unique's not being retaliated against. No one has hurt Unique or gone into Unique's cell and done anything to Unique, but I was retaliated against. And that's how I perceive it. At least not yet. At least no one has done anything too unique yet because, you know, there is this fear um, with this open lawsuit that he has against the jail. So he's being left alone. I'm being retaliated against. It already seems unfair. And um,
3: that's your perception, obviously. Without confirmation that they've actually received your, your request, which we are going to reach out and try to see if they if they have it. That's in hand. my
4: perception. You're yeah. correct. That's. that's have you question.
3: spoken to any other inmates that have have requested marriage certificates and marriage licenses? I I
4: know I know plenty of inmates in the Kentucky Department of Corrections who have been married in Kentucky DOC. You know Campbell County. Uh, sorry, Campbell County Jail is um, mm. part of Kentucky Department of Corrections. Okay, and so.
3: I'm just curious if they said that it do all well, it typically takes two weeks, three weeks, whatever for you to hear anything back. I wonder if they clarified anything to you. Those other inmates.
4: No, nothing has been um, clarified to me about a time frame. But I do know that it's something that can be done and has been done and has recently been done in Kentucky DOC. Okay. Yeah.
3: Um, so again, Richard McBee is official name. Um, kind of explain to me. I mean, I know obviously from his writings and from your writings who he I- identifies as, but Kind of explain to me, who is Richard McBee today?
4: Richard McBee has a past that I would believe is not indicative of who he is today. Um, Who Unique Taylor is to me today is a wonderfully sensitive, charismatic, brilliant, amazing, and highly naturally intelligent and capable as a person mm-hmm. um he's from a wonderful background um in nashville tennessee um his mother is a doctor and um, his father was very successful as well um he doesn't belong here he's not guilty um in his case and he's fought the justice system here for years he's defending himself very adequately
3: explain on how he identifies himself he doesn't identify himself as Richard McBee. why?
4: He believes that he has the soul of a woman. And I accept unique Richard Richie as I as I call unique sometimes as as who she is, who he is. To me, it's not about gender. To me, it's about a soul that I love. And but it's but about he
3: identifies as a transgender woman who's lesbian that's
4: a transgender lesbian, lesbian woman but he his his ability to transition has been thwarted by the number of years that he has spent in the justice system in the federal
3: justice system and the state when, when you first met him though did he or she identify as hi I, I'm unique or how did that how did that happen did he have to explain the backstory uh, how did that
4: there was some explanation that was involved. And um, you know, um, I feel like um, you know, unique is not to me a name or a, a a he or a she. This is a person that I've called by six different names. I've you know, in the justice system, we're often referred to by our last name. I've called Unique McBee, Richard. Mm-hmm. Um, he used to have a nickname he went by to. I've called him Richie, Unique. It's not about it's not about a name to me. Did you about, be in the
3: commissary? I mean, how does I don't know how you meet each other whenever you're in a facility like this. Is it you know during lunch and you bumped into each other and then um, that, that's how often you get to see each other or how does that work? I
4: originally met McBee two years ago when I was taken to a recreation yard that was next to um, Unique cell mm-hmm. and. Um, we just began talking and that was how it happened.
3: So you're in a rec area, is it an outdoor area? Then? It's an indoor, indoor,
4: indoor. area, okay. yeah. And and I just want to emphasize that, how hard she has fought to defend herself and her case against this justicism here in uh, Northern Kentucky.
3: Um, some may say, because you've obviously, obviously you're, you're going through your retrial and your procedures mm-hmm. going through it, some may say that um, this is more by reaching out. This is more of either a publicity stunt or something to derail your your second trial. What would you What would you say to somebody that says that?
4: This is no stunt. We we actually genuinely love each other. I I love Richie, Unique, Richard, Devon McPhee, um, I Junior, <laughs> um, and to me, it's no. It's nothing but real. It's nothing but um, genuine love that we feel for one another.
0: Shayna's second trial began on August 8, 2018. The defense stuck with the story of abuse, and this time Shayna testified. She said that Ryan was abusive from the very beginning of their relationship and he was even abusive in the bedroom. Shana was again found guilty and sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. She will be eligible for parole in 2032. The evidence was profound,
1: debilitating, and lingering, leaving the Poston and Carter families'
3: lives crushed.
1: Poston's father echoed that sentiment in emotional remarks.
3: I wake in the middle of the night, every night, anguishing,
1: I may forget the
0: sound of my son's voice Shayna is currently incarcerated at the kentucky correctional institute for women on january 9th 2019 Shayna filed for divorce from unique taylor i honestly don't think she ever loved unique she constantly misgendered her in her interview and i don't think she ever loved ryan either i don't think she's capable of love that's just my opinion so my book recommendation for this week is Our Little Secret by Leslie Sanderson. Summary. This weekend was supposed to bring them all back together, but the tragedy that drove them apart has resurfaced, and this time it will destroy them. When Louise receives an invitation to her old friend Amy's birthday weekend in a cottage in the country, a chill runs down her spine. Of all the places they could go, why there? Why would they want to go anywhere near the scene of the worst thing that ever happened to them? In their final year of college, their friend Hannah, part of their close-knit gang of six, went missing. Her body was found in the woods near their campus, and her death was ruled a suicide. The remaining five dealt with their grief and guilt and not being able to save her by drifting apart, trying to put in the past behind them. So why has Amy brought them back now? I love this book. I've been saying that about all the books I've recommended, but if you love love triangles, secrets, and psychological thrillers, this is the book for you. I had an idea of how the book would play out, but I was actually surprised with the ending. I also liked the fact that all of the characters weren't as perfect as they seemed, kind of like the case I talked about today. I definitely give this a 10 out of 10. I hope you enjoyed today's case. Please remember to subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram, and let me know what you think about this podcast. My blog and social media are linked in the show notes. And thank you again to Joseph McDade for the theme music. You can follow him on Instagram, at Joseph McDade Music. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.